Hi, it's dating coach Chris Luna from Craft Charisma. Welcome to the Craft Charisma podcast, our free audio coaching program where we interview the top experts in the world at helping you become the man you've always wanted to be. My guest today is Dr. Shad Helmsetter. Shad is widely considered to be one of the world's pioneering leaders in the field of self-talk. He's the author of more than 20 books, including What to Say When You Talk to Yourself, The Power of Neuroplasticity, and 365 Days of Positive Self-Talk, which is part of a series. Shad is also the founder of the Self-Talk Institute and the Life Coach Institute. And today he's going to talk to us about how we should talk to ourselves. Shad, can you tell me a little bit about your background, the work you do, and how you got into it? I started um, in this field um, over, over 35 years ago, actually. I was particularly interested in, at that time, um, how people in marketing, and I had a background in marketing, how people in marketing can get you to get up off the sofa on a Saturday afternoon while you're watching your favorite game and get you to go out and buy something that you don't need um, or didn't know you needed and or don't even want. And I thought if you could apply that kind of psychology to getting to selling us on ourselves, that would be a breakthrough. And so I decided to study why we do what we do and and how it really works because I felt that it was more than just oh, early self-help concepts. I felt it had to do with how the brain is wired. And it proved, it turned out I was right, but I could have been wrong, but I was, I was right about that. And so we now, we've learned a great deal about how to get from point A to point B, how to get there, and, and how our, our brain stops us and how to turn that around so it can start us. Not just telling ourselves we're wonderful, but by, by, actually understanding how that wiring process works without getting complicated, anyone can do it. Can you talk about some of those um, things that you discovered? Well, here's, here would be the basic. Um, from the moment we're born, every message we get, no matter where we get it from, is recorded. Our brain records everything, everything we hear or see or say or witness or experience in any kind and in, in any way. Our brain actually records that. And then those messages we get that are recorded frequently or repeatedly, uh, those actually get wired into the brain. So, so what, and, and the number one means or tool for wiring the brain turns out to be thoughts, what we say when we talk to ourselves. And, and so knowing that, we at least have, we've got a good clue as to, oh my gosh, if you, we all get programmed, we all know that now, and we grow up living out those programs, and if those programs are caused by input, then, then it immediately asks the question, wow, what kind of in, input have I been getting and if I wanted to change the wiring of my brain, could I, could I do that with giving it different input? In other words, can thoughts really change who you are? And it turns out that, that neurologically, yes, your thoughts determine most of who you are. So what would be an example of someone who's having um, thoughts that are disempowering versus um, sort of reframing or thinking about these thoughts or changing their thoughts in a way that becomes empowering? The first thing to do is to identify what the negative self-talk is, what the negative thoughts are. So if you listen to yourself and you hear yourself saying, uh, I'm no good at that, or I'm not smart enough, or, or I never have any luck, or, or she wouldn't like me, or I just know it won't work, all of those things are actually just based on old programs that we have in our brain. About 90% of our thoughts, we are not even aware we're thinking. So we, it's like a it's like running a plane, an airplane on autopilot. We we basically go through lives, our lives on autopilot because 90% of our something over 90% of our 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 thoughts are actually stored unconsciously and then we don't know what they are, but they're flying the plane. So, so 
if if you if you find yourself thinking in a way that's negative or counterproductive or works against you or puts you down or or paints exactly the wrong picture of you instead of the right picture of you you can be sure that that now and then when you listen to what you're saying and thinking um, you those are the thoughts that are actually running your life so if you had someone go walk around with you for 30 days and and write down or record everything you said especially everything you said about yourself and then you had somebody print that out and then circle the things that you repeated most often you you'll use you'll find exactly why you're having the problems you're having why you think what you think about yourself you, you, you you'll see a clear picture of, of who you think you really are and and so that gets down to what is your picture of yourself because that's the picture that you're actually presenting to other people whether you're aware of it or not that's the picture that they're seeing and that's that's who they think you are and it's because your subconscious mind the part of your brain that stores all those self images all of your thoughts and beliefs about yourself that's what you're projecting that's what you're putting out to the world and it's very practical it sounds a little bit like well, psychology 202 but it's actually very practical how we see ourselves unconsciously is what we project that's what we say on the phone that's what we that's what we express to others when we're when we're meeting somebody that's what we do in a group that's what we do when we're by ourselves that's who we're projecting so if you can figure out what those negatives are that are holding you back they're causing you problems or causing you to get off track or causing you not to do what you really want to do if you can begin to figure out what those are and there are ways to do that you can actually and this is amazing you can actually rewire your brain and I think that's the biggest breakthrough. If, you, if you're not the way you'd like to be, if you'd like to be somebody different, or, or if you'd like to improve something about yourself, you can actually rewire your brain to be that way. And if it's, if it's realistic or practical at all, your brain will do it because it's designed to. It actually doesn't have any choice. It will, your brain will record and store and act on the messages you give it that you give it most often so it's all based on repetition the key the, actually the key to success if I if I had to write the world's shortest success book it would be one page and it would probably be the key to success is repetition 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 I want to come back to that and I want to talk a little bit about rewiring the brain and neuroplasticity but before I do you had said that over 90% of this is unconscious, but you also said that there's ways to identify what these things are. Can you talk about some of those different strategies? Yeah. Um, the, the most effective strategy for finding out what's holding you back, if there is anything holding you back, those are those are usually found with uh, some form of coaching because because coaching is has a lot of questions attached to it and when someone is asking you the right questions and you answer them honestly you find out a great deal about yourself like as an example what 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 are you afraid of when you meet someone and so you let's say you 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 answer that question and then let's say the coach asks you the same question again all right tell me again what are you afraid of when you meet someone for the first time um, and you answer the question you can answer that question maybe three or four times and the, the deeper you dig the more you'll, you'll actually end up with different answers until you finally get down to the real one to the real answer asking yourself those questions is also effective if you just put down the phone and you'd been talking to someone you'd met them you'd talk to them on the phone um, and you were uncomfortable or you felt you put down the phone and you think wow I really blew that then just ask yourself the question why what was wrong what did I do that I wish I would not have done 
<clears throat> why did I do that? And so on. So, so that that's like that's mindfulness in a very practical form, and and that's the that's the number one technique. Listening to every single thing you say in a day is the first step to finding out what programs you have now, because they'll they'll come out because you'll you'll express them. And and then start make a list. Make a list of the things of the programs you have now that you'd like to change. And then that's really where it starts. Yeah, I think it's awesome. Um and I can imagine what you're saying, just like this idea of conversation and someone why, 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 why and we dig. I did an exercise last night where I was doing this in a group around feelings, like we were exploring what was what we were feeling and then asking ourselves why we were feeling those things and what was underneath them. And uh, it was a quite fascinating exercise um, because eventually I felt like I got to the root of what was there and it was not what I thought was on the surface. And I can also imagine, so I can imagine this both in in a peer process or a coaching process. I can also imagine it, um, as you said, with uh, oneself, right? Whether it's through through a process of mindfulness or even getting it down on paper and exploring it and documenting it and exploring it and so fascinating. Uh, any, any other sort of strategies pop up for how to, or you can think of off the top of your head for how to identify some of these things that we might not be conscious of? Yeah, there are <clears throat> two, different, two, different, two different ways to look at this. Both of them are effective. One is to listen to yourself like we were just talking about. And that will give you clues what's working and what's not working. The other is to listen very carefully to how, how other people talk to you and things they say. Uh, and and the idea is to get a, a picture of yourself that's real, a picture of yourself that is absolutely practical. Like if, if someone were, if you had a friend or let's say it's not a friend, it's just someone who observes you who is totally objective and has no ax to grind at all. They're just totally objective. Their job is simply to assess you. And you had a conversation with that person. Um, that person, that person's description of you, if that person is very objective and practical and realistic, that person is going to tell you how the world sees you. So you can start you can actually start doing that by listening to it, watching how other people respond to you, how they react. Um, do they smile when, do they laugh when you say something that's funny or humorous or that you think is funny or humorous? Um, what happens in a conversation, especially with someone fairly new, but what happens in a conversation when you talk about yourself? Are the, do the people lean? Does that person lean forward to listen more? Does that person start looking, take out their phone and start looking at their messages? Uh, th is that person showing interest? Or is a lack of interest, or is that person just not even there? Are you connecting with them? And and that all gets down to observation. And and I don't want self-observation, another part of mindfulness, to sound complicated because it really isn't complicated. It's a habit. It's actually a program. Listening to yourself and then thinking about what you just said or what happened or what you thought or how you felt, how you reacted to something. Listening to yourself, observing yourself, is just something that, that it's a habit, that it's a program. And if we, if we wire that program in, then we start to become self-aware. And self-awareness is really the first step towards being your best self. Self-awareness is really the first step to confidence. And self-awareness, while it might make you uncomfortable at first to be really clear, really honest about what you're seeing, um, that's what leads to becoming that really sharp, strong individual, that person of quality and potential that you were born to be in the first place. Why is that? No, well, we were all born to be successful. Uh, no one was born to fail. 
And, and that's true whether you're a spiritual person or not. It's very clear that we're born to be really strong, successful, surviving, achieving individuals. One of my favorite places in the hospital is the newborn nursery, and I've had the opportunity to go there many times. And when you stand in, in, that, in front of that window in the newborn nursery, and you look through the window, and there in those little bassinets, in, in their little swaddling blankets, are these brand new infants. They're brand new to life. They just got here. They're only hours old. <clears throat> and when, when you look at those individuals, what you see, and we all see this, we, we see unlimited potential. And nobody ever walks up to the window and looks in a, a little infant and thinks, loser or or... That person isn't going to make it. No, it's, it's really clear that we're born with all of that incredible promise and potential in front of us. And, and then we, get, and then we, we grow and, and we begin getting programmed and we get messages from everyone around us and from the world around us. And it's those messages we get that either build up that, that unlimited potential that the motivators talk about that really show us how amazing and incredible we really are, or the messages tell us what won't work or what we can't do and what we always do wrong and so on. And so <clears throat> if you look at, think of the most successful person you've ever met, and that thing, absolutely successful. So I don't mean just financially, but successful as an individual. If you look at that individual, you're going to see somebody who is strong, who is open, who is clear, who has focus, who probably um, or certainly has goals and is reaching them. That's the kind of person we, we would like to be more like. That's the kind of person that, that we admire and would want to spend time with and maybe learn from. If you think of the exact opposite kind of person, um, somebody who's failing, somebody who's not making it, somebody who's, whose life is just filled with trauma and tragedy and drawbacks and pitfalls. That person is not doing well, and, and that person is, is, is not the kind of person we would like to be, if you think of that person. Then think of those two people standing together, that super successful person we looked at first, and then that person who's failing. And we ask ourselves the question, why is, why is that person successful and why is that other person not successful? It's because of their programs. Because those two people could have been those two little infants that we looked at just a few minutes ago in the newborn nursery with their entire lives, incredible potential in front of them. And, and at that moment that we saw them in the hospital, they were... They both had the same chance. And then one got programmed one way and one got programmed the other way. So when we look at ourselves, we see kind of parts, of, usually parts of both of those people. We see some things we do and the way we are is successful. In other ways, we're, we're not. And, and, and it's all in our programs. Ultimately, it gets back to our programs. And I, I hate to lead everything back to that one point, but it is true. It's one person gets programs right, right, and the other person gets them wrong. And the the good the good news is that we have the ability. Every single one of us has the ability to look at their own programs and decide. Okay, my programs are wired into my brain. That's the structure of my brain right now, and I can change that anytime I want to. And I think that's that's exciting. So you're saying the correlation between self-awareness and confidence is this idea that we become aware of our programs so that we can change them. Yes. And it doesn't happen overnight. And the idea of doing it doesn't do it. Like somebody's, That's like New Year's resolutions. I'm going to be different. I'm going to do something different. That usually doesn't work. And most New Year's resolutions are never fulfilled because... It doesn't take into account that it's actually our old programs, our, our unconscious, hidden programs, are really running the, the ship. They're flying the plane. So, so we can say, okay, I'm aware. I've got it. I'm going to change. But 
we might try it for a few days, but then we stop. And that's simply because in the brain, the strongest program always wins. So if you have more programs that tell you that you're calm, that you that you don't have um, that you you don't get anxious easily, you don't have high anxiety. If you have programs that tell you that that you're a confident, capable person, that no matter what you can get through this, um, that you look good, you feel good, you're moving forward, you're on top of your game, you know who you are, you know you know what you're doing, you're a good quality person. If you have more programs like that than the opposite, then it's purely it's it's physical, it's chemical in the brain. The, the strongest programs, the, pro, the, the programs that you have the most of, those are always the programs that determine who you are and how you act and what you do and how you talk and, and, and so on. So being aware is, is an important first step, but just being aware of it uh, won't do much in about three days. You'll go back to where you were. So... I mentioned earlier repetition is the key to success. So it really gets down to starting a first habit, a first new habit. And that habit is probably the best habit would be mindfulness, to be aware of it every single day. So every single day when I get up in the morning, I'm going to listen to me today. I'm going to find out what my programs are today. I'm going to, I'm going to look at what I'm doing so that I can really be aware. And then I'll start jotting things down. Um, ideas I have that I think might be negative, um, thoughts, beliefs, feelings that tend to be negative. I'm going to m- make a list of those, and then one by one, I'm going to start working on those. I think it's fascinating. I'm wondering if you can give us a little bit more background on, because we're talking about neuro- neuroplasticity, right, how the brain changes itself. How, can you give us a little bit more context on how that works, and then um, maybe we can get in some really specific strategies for uh, developing the type of mindset that's going to be empowering for people. The brain, uh, we used to think, when I went to school, in fact, we were taught that the brain stops growing when we're about 17 years old. And we get a certain number of neurons, and then that's it. And then from there on, it's kind of downhill, <laughs> so that so that we we're we're stuck with the 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 genes we got and the number of neurons we got, and that's kind of a hopeless case because it makes you think, wow, I'm going to be just like my my parents because I'm I'm, I'm, it's, I'm it's genetically predetermined and the brain is wired a certain way and 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 that's what I got and we even start thinking which. Which of my parents do I hope I'm most like, and so on. Well, so we were all taught that for years and years, simply because neuroscientists, the people who were studying the brain, couldn't look into it while a person was living. Then computer scanning came along and computer imaging technology came along. And for the first time ever, and this is fairly recent, we were able to watch the brain while it was working. And we were also able to do something we've never been able to do before with a living person. That is, we could count their neurons. We could see which parts of the brain were actually the most active and and so on. Let me give you an example of that. We've all heard and read a lot about positive thinking, which came out, um, it got really popular 70, 60, 70 years ago. And and then a lot of people said, well, positive thinking doesn't really work. It's just a, it's just thoughts, and thoughts don't really mean anything, and and so on. Well, what we've learned is this. This is fascinating. People who think positively grow more neural networks in the left prefrontal cor- cortex of your brain. So if if you're listening right now and you reach up and you just take your finger and just tap your forehead on the left side, that's where when you think positively, you're actually growing more neurons in that or neuron networks in that part of the brain. That happens to be the part of the brain that helps you look for alternatives and um, seek uh, solutions, overcome problems, and, and so on. 
That's a very powerful, important part of the brain. People who think negatively actually grow more neural networks in the right prefrontal cortex of your brain on the other side. And that's the part of the brain that shuts down, that want, makes you want to run when there's a problem, and, and stops you from looking for alternatives. So the way the brain is wired, people who think more positively are literally, their brains are wired to find more solutions and solve the problem and get past it. People who think negatively are literally wired to shut down, fight or flight, and avoid the problem. So that's, that's a simple, it's comp very complex in the brain, but it's, that's a simple way of looking at how neuroplasticity actually works. The fact is that the way to wire more neural networks into your left prefrontal cortex is by thinking and speaking positively. That would be... I have a question um, before we get into that, yeah. just behind brain science, and this is definitely... Uh, not my expertise, but I'm curious what what's happening in the in the right and left uh, prefrontal lobes that makes them more prone to these things. Because the things that I had heard is like things like flight, fight, or freeze are um, are not in the prefrontal cortex; they're in uh, some of the earlier uh, developed portions of the brain, things like the amygdala. Um, so I'm not quite clear. I, I'm wondering okay. if you can explain so, that. So the the key. <clears throat> that the key part of the brain to oversimplify it there would be the amygdala. And the, it's what I call the amygdala syndrome. The amygdala syndrome is our burglar alarm, or that's our, our safety alarm. That's, that's, supposed, that's there. Um, it's a small kind of almond-shaped part of the brain, in, in, more or less in the exact center of the brain, and it's designed to alert us to problems. So it, it's there because of the saber-toothed tiger. So we're, it's, it's many, many years ago, and we're, we're sleeping in our hut, and, and, and there's a saber-toothed tiger circling the village, and the amygdala is what gets us to hear the sounds of the cracking twigs under the, the saber-toothed tiger's paws. And, and so we hear something like that. The amygdala wakes us up and gets us to take action. The amygdala is designed to get us to notice anything that could possibly go wrong. And the problem is the, the amygdala got very, very sensitive and got very good. And so it's constantly alerting us to saber-toothed tigers or problems when, in fact, saber-toothed tigers don't exist anymore. And we, we really don't have that many life-threatening things that, that occur in a given day. But the amygdala doesn't know that. So it's on watch, and it's turning our, our fire alarm and our burglary alarm, and it's, it's, uh, it's turning our alarms on over and over and over again. It's actually the amygdala that's causing us to that, – that feeling in our um, – our stomach when uh, the phone rings uh, and we don't know who it is and, and, or when, when something happens that uh, we hear a sound or the amygdala is, is, is what's, what, what is alerting us. Well, so the amygdala uh, sends signals out and then signals come back in the brain and a way, and perhaps the best way, unless you're just a monk sitting in meditation all the time, a way or the best way to override the unnecessary signals from the amygdala, which are causing you stress and fear and panic and all kinds of things, the best way to override that is with positive self-talk. So positive self-talk is telling the amygdala, okay, it's all right, I've got this okay. And it's positive self-talk that's wired into the left prefrontal, prefrontal cortex of the brain. And the stronger you have that part of the brain wired, the less the amygdala is going to cause you to panic or f go into fear or say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. Dating coach Chris Luna here. This is the perfect time to take a quick break to talk to you about three simple things that you can do to dramatically change your life. First, 
listen to this entire podcast, and then subscribe through SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher. This way, you'll immediately be notified every time we share a new release. If you listen and apply the ideas we discuss on these podcasts, it will change your life forever. Second, go to craftchristmas.com, create an account, and become a member of our community. There you can read articles, listen to podcasts, watch videos, ask us questions, and document your journey in our forums. Great men don't become great on their own. All great men are members of a community, and Craft Charisma is your community. Finally, if you're serious, and I know that you are, about making massive changes to your life as quickly as possible, check out our live coaching programs on our website. Craft Charisma live programs are the fastest way to improve your dating and social life. And who knows? Attend our live programs, let us get to know you, and you may end up as a member of the Craft Charisma team. Again, thank you for listening. Now back to the podcast. I see. So when you talk about self-talk, what does that look like? How, how would somebody change self-talk in order to get these neurons to fire together and build these n- new neural connections and, and strengthen neural pathways? Well, think of it like, let's say you, let's say you had a computer, a portable computer keyboard. And let's say that's plugged right into your head. And everything you say, instead of being able to say it out loud, let's say you had to, instead of saying it or thinking it, you had to type it into that keyboard. And so any thought you'd think or anything you were going to say, you would type into that keyboard. And then that keyboard's wired into your brain, so then your brain is going to record it. And if you type it in repeatedly, it's going to store it. So think about what you're saying, think that you're typing it into your brain, and then ask yourself the question, is this something I want to wire into my brain? Like, I am so clumsy, I'm just no good at that, or something like that, or, or I can never talk to women, or I'm, uh, I never know the right thing to say. You type that in often enough, and the next time you have a conversation with someone, and you and and you want to be really on top and, you know, of your game and and feeling great and being um, articulate and and you just start to stumble and your brain says I'm just doing what you've been telling me to do you've been telling me that you're not good at conversations so you're so when you're aware of your self talk it's it actually it becomes you become so aware of it that you literally could be seeing yourself typing those words into your brain. So are, anytime you're about to say something or anytime you think something, if you're, if you're staying mindful, you can think, wait a minute, is this something I want to type into my brain? Is this something I want to record and wire in? No. So then try doing the opposite. Say the opposite thing instead of I'm, I'm just smart, not smart enough. No, say the opposite. I'm really smart. I've I've got a great mind. I was born with a lot of mental capability. I'm a I'm a great thinker. I think deeply, I think clearly, I'm sharp, I can visualize, I understand things when I hear them, see them, and think them. Now, when you first start saying that, that would be positive self talk. When you first start using positive self talk, your old programs are going to say, come on, you're kidding me. That's not how you are. You're, you're not good at, you're not really smart or you're not good at conversations or you're not good at this or that. But that's just your old programs. They've just been wired to believe that. So they're going to fight it. So you think, oh, I'm lying to myself or I'm kidding myself. No, you're not. You're setting the record straight. You're rewiring your brain. And it's the way the brain was designed to be wired in the first place. So how long does this process take? It takes about three weeks to rewire the circuit in your brain with something new. It takes about three weeks of repetition. Now that's just, that's general, but it is interesting that We've heard for years, how long does it take to change a habit? 21 days. 
Um, that's what every self-help author has been writing and saying by observation for many, many years. Well, it turns out they're actually right. It takes about three weeks. So if you were going to say, I'm going to start seeing myself as somebody who looks really good. Uh, I've, I've got a great countenance. Um, my features are good. I'm, I like who I am, and, and other people like me too, and I, I look good. Now, that's going to... that's believing that is actually going to have a reflection on how you look. And and so if you just think that for a day or a couple of days, that'll be good. You'll be kind of motivated and you'll feel better maybe. Um, but it's not going to stay. It's not going to get wired in. But if you, it's repetition, repetition, repetition. If you practice that or if you listen to self-talk, which I recommend people to do, do because that's the easiest way we've ever ever learned to change our self-talk. But if, if you practice self-talk and you just stay with it for a few days, it probably won't change anything. But if you stay with it for about three weeks and then refresh every so often and, and hit it again, you'll, you'll, you're, you'll actually have re physically rewired. So the, the shortest rewiring of a single thought um, might only take an hour if you've studied it and repeated it and so on of a single thought. But our personalities aren't made up of single thoughts. They're made up of a complex network of thoughts and beliefs. And getting those to rewire themselves together and reconnect to more positive pictures of ourselves and our brain and so on, that whole process takes about three weeks. So that's, that's the best answer, and it's pretty reliable. It makes me think about a conversation I had with a buddy of mine, and he had done um, like vipassana meditation, where he he said he had to take a vow of silence for ten days, and at some point he had to scan inch by inch his body to try to see what was there uh, and release tension. I haven't got this process. I'm repeating back what I remember of the conversation, and it sounds like what the idea for him was to, to release stress and find out how where trauma might be stored in the body and then release that and like it's really fascinating but it sounds like you're you're talking about or describing doing something very similar with the brain like this this sort of mindfulness or consciousness of what are our, all the different thoughts that we have in a given day our, our self-talk that voice that goes on in all of our heads and examining each of the thoughts and taking the thoughts that aren't serving us uh, the way that we would want them to, and beginning to to try to reprogram our brain one by one around those thoughts, the things that are serving. Yeah, is that, that correct? Th that's correct, except that there is... Th the reason people listen to self-talk is they pick a subject that they want to listen to, and there's self-talk on many, many different recorded audio self-talk programs. And it's exactly like exactly like learning a new language instead of trying to go in and figure out and be a um, do a lot of self-analysis like we started talking about um, we, people find that very difficult to do and most people aren't are not trained to do it so a an easier step we found is simply to decide how we want to be and then start using self-talk that paints that picture that gives us that clear picture of ourselves. So we might we might listen to self-talk on self-esteem as a good example, and we just listen. So decide the new picture of you that you that you want to be, and then write and repeat or listen to pre-recorded self-talk on that that gives you that picture, and forget about the old programs that aren't working in the first place. Those old programs and listening to them, that's a good idea because it tells you where your self-talk is now. But don't dwell on that. Don't stay there. Decide how you want to be. If you see a problem, decide how you'd like to, um, the way you would like to be that overcomes that problem, and then just practice self-talk on that because that will actually override the old programs because now you're getting repetition you're daily. You're listening to it. You're repeating the right self-talk. And those will actually get wired in stronger than the old negative programs that were working against you. I, I, years ago, I was, uh, I, was a, I was in linguistics. I was a Spanish-English interpreter. 
In fact, I was uh, I was an interpreter in Cuba during what was called the Cuban Missile Crisis, and because I had had studied language, I had learned that that the best way to learn a language is through repetition. And so today we know that the best way to learn a language is typically by if, if unless you you go to that country and and live there and you're surrounded by the language that's called immersion. Um, the best way to do it is to listen to repeated language, repetitions of sentences in that language. Um, so I knew that because I had studied learning languages. And then later on, when I was studying the brain, I realized that self-talk is really just learning a new language, only it happens to be the language of success instead of the language of failure. So it's really, so anything you would do to learn a language, um, do that to learn self-talk. Don't worry so much about what those old negative programs are that we looked at earlier. Just be aware of them. And then decide the programs you'd like to have. That would be the new language you want to learn. And then, and then adopt and then start practicing self-talk that gives you the new image, that gives you the new picture of yourself. Are there any strategies for determining what that self-talk should be? I mean, like if something's not serving, I think, oh, maybe it's the opposite or maybe somebody's going to model their thoughts off somebody else. But I can imagine that that leading to some type of like inner conflict later on in some capacity. I, how do you think somebody should determine what the right, the right self-talk is for them? Well, every time you stumble or you, that you stumble repeatedly, that would be an indicator that that's an area that you need to work on. So look at the things that are going wrong or that give you anxiety or um, that give you concern. And then, and then just, just be aware of those. Um, I, I'll, I'll just create an example. Let's say that, you're, that there's a person who finds by being self-aware, by being mindful that one of the things this person does when they're talking to someone new is they stutter. When they're talking to their family members, they, they don't. They just never stutter. But when they're talking to somebody new, they've got anxiety, and that causes them to stutter. So that person might say, okay, got it. Uh, that's probably I'm uncomfortable, or there's, I have anxiety, or I'm lacking confidence. Um, but I think one of the things I'll do, along with working on confidence, is I'm going to work on the fact that I speak really well and I speak clearly and plainly. I'm enjoyable to listen to. Uh, I like to speak. I never say more than I need to, but I'm always able to say and to speak well when I want to say what I need and speak well. And I'm comfortable doing that. And especially my diction. It's always clear and it's forthright. It's straightforward. I'm a good speaker. People like to talk with me. People like to listen to what I have to say. So, so what I did is I just took a difficult situation or a trouble situation, and by changing the self-talk around, I didn't even go too far into what's causing the problem in the first place. I just decided to get to be a good speaker when I'm talking to someone, to be a, someone who's articulate. And, and those are the first steps that somebody who is starting to become a positive self-talk, those are the first kinds of steps that they usually take. And they're very effective. They work. I, I'm, I'm, I'm certain that people listening right now, that among those people listening, there, there are those who, who have probably experienced this and, and know that what I'm saying makes absolute sense. Because if they can control that one thing, if they can give themselves self-talk that will help them in that one area, and it's not difficult to do, then that means that they can look at any other thing they'd like to fix and they can work on that as well. A couple of things come up for me. One is um, this like visual idea that when we put on sunglasses, for example, um, and they have different colored shades that will influence the way that we see the world. Right. Maybe, maybe the if there are red shades and we see the color red, then maybe that won't be the red in the world won't be as prominent. 
right? Because uh, the red in the glasses sort of dilutes its potency. But basically, these, these different colored shades uh, or lenses could uh, affect the way that we perceive the world. And the lenses through which we, the emotional lenses through which, or the internal conversations that we have in our mind uh, or in our consciousness are going to affect the way that we perceive and approach situations. Do you see where I'm going with this? Yes, I think so. Um, are we talking about attitudes? Well, I think just, um, I think in college, the idea of lenses comes from maybe college papers where they do, we do these like lens and days essays and we look at something through a perspective. Yeah. But um, there's definitely, I'll use an example. Years ago, I had this client of mine, and this isn't quite what you're talking about, but he would ask himself questions, and maybe it is. He, he would ask himself questions before he would approach somebody. And one of the questions he would ask is, how do I get this person to talk to me? And so when he would ask himself that question, oftentimes if it didn't go well, he would feel like this sense of inadequacy. Um, like I'm not good enough. What I, didn't, what I said wasn't good enough. Now I got to find something better to say, or I'm not good enough. I need to, like, uh, why am I not good enough? Is there something wrong with me? Or is there something I need to do differently? Or is it the way I look or how tall I am or my, my accent or um, all these sort of different things would come up. And he started asking himself different questions before he approached somebody. And he found uh, questions that were more like didn't start from a place of deficit. And the consequence of that shift was he said that people were became much more receptive to him. But it was a change in internal dialogue, a, a change in the internal questions that we we approach and that he was using with himself before he approached somebody. Um, I think the question he was asking himself at the time is like, I want to find somebody in this room who wants to meet and connect. And he started looking for that. Say that again. I want to, he start, what, what was it he said? He started asking himself self something like, uh, where can I find someone in this room who really wants to meet and connect? And that, that worked for him a lot more effectively than asking himself what he could, he could say to try to get someone to try, to want to talk to him back. Okay, I would take that to the next, that's a starting step and a good one. I would take that to the next logical step, which is to go past that and to begin using self-talk that says, I automatically and naturally find people um, who I connect with in a very positive way. Now, that might sound like, well, come on, Shad, that's not true because this person doesn't naturally and automatically uh, attract people um, who are going to and, and, and make a good connection with those people. But when you tell your brain that that's who you are and that you, 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 I automatically and naturally find people who are attracted to me and who I connect with well, um, when you tell that to your brain and you do that repeatedly, and I'm oversimplifying it here, but, but actually it is that simple. Uh, when you, when you become that, when your brain thinks you are that person, your brain pull, puts together a massive amount of other programs that, are, that you've already programmed. They might be hidden and they might not have been used in a while, but your brain begins to reconnect with those other programs that bring together all of your best qualities so that you do naturally and automatically attract people who are attracted to you and who you can connect with in a positive way. Your brain then, which is a, this powerful, powerful computer, is looking and sorting and searching and, and trying to put together all kinds of things, and it does it effectively the more, the stronger your self-talk is that shows you being that person. So I recommend go right to the person you would most like to be in your mind and begin creating that one with your self-talk and your brain will create that person for you. I'm curious, what does that process look like? Does that mean getting up in the morning and saying like an affirmation a hundred times? Does that mean repeating a thousand times throughout the day during every break? Does that mean every time a thought comes up to reframe it? Does it mean sitting on a, a mountaintop with with uh, one's legs yeah. folded in meditation? My, my solution that I've been presenting to and writing about in over 20-some books now on 
and talking to audiences all over the world. My solution is to listen to self-talk for about 10 to 15 minutes a day. And you can listen in the morning. That's a good time because it gets your day started right. But once you get, once you start listening to self-talk and you do it regularly, and you can do it two or three times during the day or when you're in the car, or, but getting ready in the morning is a good time. And And you just put it on in the background and you don't, have to try to pay attention to it because the brain is listening whether you are or not and doing that then sets up the day and and you find that you're automatically thinking that way when the next situation arises so it gets down to the very simple step of just just listen to self-talk for about 10 or 15 minutes a day and keep doing that um, pick a subject that you really want to change and listen to self-talk on that subject. And you don't have to try to think a lot about it. You don't have to get self-analytical. Just build some new, wire some new programs in. And your brain is going to do that. It can't, it can't help. It has to wire them in because that's what repetition does. It wires new programs into the brain. And then go about your day. And if you keep doing that, it ends up not being difficult and you end up speaking the new language. You end up thinking in the new language. So you're more successful in that area. And you now, now after weeks, you're doing it naturally. It's part of you. So you don't have to then analyze everything you're thinking during the day or uh, questioning it. Your brain is already speaking and thinking in that new language. You're referring to uh, your self-taught program or your app not the self-talk somebody might have with themselves on their own, right? Well, I think doing it on your own is good, and it's where we all started. But the reason I'm such a strong proponent of self audio self-talk programs, recorded programs, is not just because I've been writing them and recording them for 30-some years. Um, I've been writing and recording them because that's the most practical way we can learn a language. That's the most practical way we can use self-talk. But I also, in seminars, for instance, for years, I taught or worked at, did my best to teach people how to write their own self-talk. Some people record their own, only that didn't work as well because only about 3% of the people who record their own self-talk can stand to listen to their own voice because their own voice is the critical part of them that they're, they've been listening to already in the negative. So, so it's best to listen to somebody else's voice. But putting that aside, um, you can do it yourself. It's just easier to listen to self-talk. So that's, I suppose that's a commercial. But it's, it's just if, if I had to give a legacy to all of my children and all of my grandchildren, I would give them all self-talk they could listen to because that makes it easy. So how does, I mean, there's different aspects of our life, right? Like self-talk could improve. I'll just go through a few of them. How does self-talk help us improve our self-esteem? How can it be applied to health and fitness? How can it be applied to relationships? Things like stress, worry, depression. Where do you see this fitting in? They're all interconnected. So let's say you decide to start with listening to self-talk for self-esteem. Um, you'll probably start getting fit. You'll probably, if you want to lose weight, like when when people want to lose weight, there are programs of self-talk for weight loss, and they work really well. But I usually recommend that they listen to self-talk for self-esteem because that's how you see yourself and how you see yourself affects everything you do everything you eat how much exercise you get and so on they're all interconnected another example is someone might want to work on relationships so they start listening to self-talk on relationships and without even trying to they find they're getting more organized they're getting things cleaned up they're getting things done on time and yet they're listening to self-talk on relationships. How is that? It's because in the brain, they're all, they're all interconnected. They're all kind of wired together. So you're listening to self-talk on relationships that tells you that you're a person who 
does things well and and gets along with others and makes friends easily and um, does things that need to be done when they have to be done and and what happens as a result of that is you start getting sharper in other areas of your life um, I know people who have have uh, listened to self-talk for relationships and they start earning more income at work it's because they're literally giving programs to their brain that make them a better, stronger, sharper person in a lot of ways, not just in meeting other people or working with other people. Do you feel like people should focus on one self-talk area at a time or do you feel like it's okay to do multiple? How, how do you suggest someone engage in this process? For some reason, the human brain seems to be able to deal with three focuses, one primary focus and two secondary focuses. So that would, let's say you have a list of 20 things you'd like to do, uh, goals or areas that you really want to work on. Um, put those in order, in priority order. Work on the top three. Your brain seems to handle that really well. So you might work on relationships, finances, and self-esteem. You might work on those three. Um, if you try to work on more than that, uh, maybe it's that the brain starts getting confused. It isn't sure what you're really trying to do first. Um, but three is okay. One primary and then two secondary focuses. So I would, I would make a real short list. I would probably write down Oh, let's say relationships. I would then, I would put on my list self-esteem. Um, I would also then put, I would listen to self-talk on taking control of my life. Okay, those three are going to work together. They're all going to get stronger. And the brain seems to be able to handle that quite easily. Then after I would mastered those, I got really good at them, I might move on to finances or career or uh, health and fitness maybe some other areas but you can you can pick and choose but don't don't put too many on the list at at any given time i see and this is awesome um we're getting towards the end of the time any last insights tips words of wisdom for people who want to live happier healthier more meaningful connected lives i do have i do have a, a thought and that is whether you know it or not whether we believe it or not, or have been taught it or not, um, what the what the self-help gurus and trainers have been saying and writing about for years is actually very true. You you do have, in many ways, unlimited qualities uh, and potential. And it doesn't make any difference where you've been or what you've done or how, how many problems you've had, what hasn't worked. It doesn't make any difference to the brain. Because if you say starting today, I choose, I'm going to make some changes. I'm going to change my self-talk and I'm going to get better at this and this and this. It doesn't make any difference where you've been up to now. You start rewiring the brain. It's going to do it. It's designed to do it. So, so your chances of succeeding at this are huge. They're very high. Um, I've, I've said to audiences, I don't care where you've been. I don't care what's happened. And I'm not saying that in a way that lacks compassion. I care about them deeply in, as, as humans. But it doesn't make any difference what's gone on before in your life. If you want to make these changes, your brain is designed to rewire itself based on what you tell it next, and it's going to do that. It can't help. It, it can't. It has to do it. It's physiological. It's neurological. It's chemical. It has to do it. So that means that's really great news. And, it, and I'd like to, to leave the listener with that. If you want to do it, you get to do it. If you want to change your self-talk, if you want to change your programs, you get to do that. And then you get to live out the results. And since it's, it doesn't take any extra time to do it, you might as well go ahead and do that because 
you were designed to be that incredible person you wanted to be in the first place. Shai, this has been incredible. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. And if you're listening to this, you want to learn more about Shad, his uh, self-talk, uh, the other things that he's doing, we're going to post some links on the Craft Charisma website and within the description of this podcast so that you can find out about him and access his work more easily. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Have an incredible day. It's dating coach Chris Thona here. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And we absolutely love making this podcast. We make this podcast for you. So if there's somebody that you want on the show, let me know. I will yell, scream, stand in front of their house, do everything I do to get them on the show for you. Also, don't hesitate to follow the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes and Stitcher. You can also give us a shout out through social media, Facebook, Twitter, share it with your friends. And lastly, go to the Craft Christmas website and create an account. There you can talk about the podcast and communicate with me directly. So thank you again for taking time to listen. You will hear again from me soon.